Well, good morning. If you are a visitor, or even if you are not a visitor, my name is Jonathan Coleman, and I want you to know that you are welcome here, and we are so grateful that you are here this morning. Now, security is an important thing to many of us, to most of us. Most of us value our security, whether it's security in our jobs or security where we live or even security in our homes. Some of us may wonder about the security of our salvation. Are we really saved? How can we know that we are truly saved? Well, in the passage that we're walking through this morning in 1 John, John tells us that we can have evidence that gives us assurance in the security of our salvation. Now, a few weeks ago, we began a new series in the book of 1 John. You remember who John was writing to? He was writing to probably the church at Ephesus and the surrounding churches in the area. And he was writing to combat an issue, the issue of Gnosticism that was infiltrating the churches there. Uh, them telling, the Gnostics were telling the churches there that Jesus alone was not enough, that Jesus alone was not enough to save, that they were telling you that you needed morals plus Jesus. And then some of them were saying, well, we believe in God and we believe in, in Jesus, but we don't believe that we have to change anything in the way that we act or the way that we do to be a follower or to go to heaven. So they were preaching these lies and they were beginning to call some in the church astray and to lead some astray from the truth of the gospel. So John is writing this book in order to urge the readers to grow in their faith, remain in their faith, in their obedience, and in their love. Now last week we looked at chapter 2 of 1 John in verses 1 and 2 and we discovered that because Jesus has paid our debt, we should live as a free people and tell everyone else how they can be free too. Today, we'll continue in the book of 1 John, and we'll be looking at evidence of walking in the light. If you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, and let's read verses 3 and 6. 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, John has just finished telling us about the confidence that we can have in Christ who died for the sins of the whole world how Jesus paid it all. Now he moves into telling his readers that they can have assurance in their salvation. He begins with some strange wording here. Uh, we can almost understand this verse better if we read it backwards. Uh, like this, if we keep his commandments, then by this we can know that we have come to know him. First John begins with John talking in chapter 1 about his relationship with Jesus and how he and the other eyewitnesses literally heard and saw and touched and looked upon Jesus in the flesh. Jesus knew, John knew Jesus because he had literally walked with him. Our obedience is evidence that we know Jesus, evidence that we can touch and evidence that we can see and that we can hear. Our obedience is tangible evidence that we know Jesus. But notice that John doesn't say here that we hope or that we think 
or that we wish, but he says that we know. The language used here for we know illustrates something that is continually perceived by experience. We can know that we know him continually by the assurance that we see in our pattern of obedience to his commandments. Our continual obedience gives assurance that our profession of Jesus Christ as Savior was genuine. In other words, we can be assured of our salvation by seeing the past, that the past profession of belief in him is still affecting us today. But what can we know to know God? Now, there's a lot of variations to the meaning of the verb to know. Now, we can know facts or we can recognize that things are true, or we can know something to be the case. However, knowing him is not simply knowing facts about him, nor is it simply being able to, to, uh, to recognize him operating in other people's lives. It is knowing him personally for yourself. It's fellowship with him, and it's evidence through our walking in the light. To know him involves a personal relationship that transforms your behavior. We're not what we once were, are we? Uh, So instead of hanging out in the darkness, we are chasing after living in the light. When we know him, it changes our goals. It changes our behaviors and our definitions of success. It impacts everything within us. Now, I just mentioned a second ago about the situation that the church was facing that John was writing to, uh, the Gnostics. They were claiming to know God while not keeping the commandments of God. John says that our evidence of knowing God is our obedience to him. Now, remember, uh, a few weeks ago, we saw that one of John's favorite elements uh, was contrasting statements. He would state something in the positive And then he would state something in the negative. We see evidence of that again here in verse 3 and verse 4. So he states something in the positive in verse 3. And then in verse 4, he turns right around and he states it in the negative. He says in verse 4, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. John is painting a picture in this verse of someone who claims to know Jesus. However, they do not have a regular lifestyle or a pattern of obedience. These are those who would claim to know God but have ongoing disobedience with no cause for concern about their disobedience. John says that these people who would claim to know God but do not do what he commands, that they are liars and the truth is not in them. People who do not obey God can have no authentic relationship with him if it's a pattern of disobedience. Now, this does not mean that those who know God will never fail to obey God's commands, but rather that those who know God will not be characterized by disobedience to his commands. Christian, when we know him, we obey him. Uh, The word keep, used for keeping his commandments, means to literally look upon something as your treasure and therefore to guard it as your treasure. Our attitude toward God's commands should be that they are our treasure, that we are carefully guarding, because after all, it is evidence of our transformed life. But what does it look like practically to keep God's commands? Well, we keep God's commands both outwardly and inwardly. When we live as a new creation, our outward conduct should be visible and is displaying what is occurring on the inside. 
However, it is possible to live uh, displaying outward obedience with improper motivation in our hearts. Believe it or not, it is possible for humans to have improper motivation for doing things. God has not called us to a life of moralism, but into a life of obedience. And Jesus had a lot to say about religious people who only did outward acts with no inward change on the inside. He called them hypocrites. We must keep God's commands outwardly and inwardly. But keeping God's commands also involves another element, doesn't it? It involves trust. Our obedience is evidence of our trust. If we trust him, then we are following him. Now, just until a few years ago, my dad was a big deer hunter. Uh, A few years ago, he got tired of climbing up ladder stands, and so he gave up deer hunting. Uh, But when I was growing up, he was a huge deer hunter. From the time I was five to five or six, I began going with my dad for two reasons. Uh, One, because it's what my dad did, and I wanted to spend time with him. And two, because I really liked deer meat, and I wanted to fill the freezer with deer meat. So I had that motivation for going as well. My dad was a hunting addict. Uh, If he had a spare moment, he was in the woods during deer season, every chance he got, even on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, before we would open presents, uh, we would go hunting, and we would go spend a few hours in the woods before opening presents on Christmas days. And those were some long hours, because while you're waiting on Bambi to come out so that you could shoot her, um, you were sitting there wondering about what Santa Claus had left under the tree, because the presents were there under the tree when you left. And when we would go out in the woods, we would often go out 45 to 30 minutes before the sun ever even thought about coming up. We went out when it was pitch dark. And then my dad didn't give me a flashlight because as a true kid, I would point it everywhere and then drop it or point it in his eyes. And so he didn't let me have a flashlight. So I was following him through the woods, following his light in the darkness as he was leading me to some random tree stand in the thick of the Mississippi woods. And he would leave me there for a few hours while he went off to a different deer stand. But when I was following my dad's flashlight through the dark woods, it was scary as a small child. I had an overactive imagination, and I was just imagining all the things that were hiding in the woods that were going to jump out at me. But I trusted that my dad would take care of me, that he would protect me, and that he knew where he was going. And so I followed him because I trusted him. Believer, we need to trust the Lord today. Our obedience is following the Lord, and we follow him because we trust him. Maybe today we need to wonder if our obedience is filled with trust or if it's only outwardly displayed morality. Believer, trust the Lord today. Follow him and obey him inwardly and outwardly. And then John continues in verse 5. He says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. John turns back to the positive here in verse 5, saying, Whoever keeps his word. We can understand this as interchangeable with the phrase of whoever keeps his commandments. Whoever has a lifestyle of guarding his commandments in their lives. So what happens to those who have a lifestyle of guarding his commandments in their lives? Well, in them, the love of God is perfected. What does this mean? How can we understand this? Well, we understand this phrase as being our love for God. 
It is our love for God that is being perfected within us. Uh, This is being brought to maturity in us. So when we trust the Lord, uh, we follow him. And when we follow him, we obey him. Our trust in him and our obedience to him are evidence of our love for him. Now, John was writing, remember, to combat Gnosticism. He would have been saying directly to the Gnostics and those tempted to follow the Gnostics, don't say that you love Jesus, that you have love for God if you are not obeying him. If you are living a lifestyle that is in deliberate disobedience to his commands, then you are a liar. I believe John would say the same to us today. Our love for him is evidence through our obedience in him, and our obedience is evidence of trust in him. When we love and trust someone, we obey them. Now, our obedience is not an avenue of salvation. We need to understand that. But our obedience is evidence of salvation. So believer, examine yourself today. Do you say that you love Jesus, but you are living in a lifestyle of disobedience? Do you say that you love Jesus today, but you don't trust him? Many of us find ourselves being anxious today. Many of us worry about tomorrow. However, what does God's word say about being anxious and worrying? We see this in Matthew 6, verses 26 through 33. It says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not so much more clothe you, O little of faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So often we are tempted to be anxious, aren't we? We're tempted to worry. Being anxious and worrying, in some sense, is displaying a lack of trust. Believer, our obedience is in following the Lord, and we follow him because we trust him. Believer, trust the Lord today. Follow the Lord today and obey the Lord today. The end of verse 5 is a connector to verse 6. Just like in verse 3 where we understood the by this to point to if we keep his commandments, the end of verse 5's by this points to if we walk in the same way in which he walked. In verse 6, John speaks about our pattern of obedience. Whoever claims to abide or to live in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What does John mean by abiding in him, by living in him? Yes, it's obedience. Yes, it's following the Lord. But living in him or resting in him is more than just obedience. When, we're, when we abide or when we rest, we are relaxed in our current state. 
As a believer, we need to rest or be at home in our trusting and obeying him. It should be a place that we are comfortable in residing. Whoever claims to walk in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If you have children or if you've been around children from any season of time, you know that they imitate you. If you throw a ball in the house, a child is going to throw a ball in the house, right? If you panic in a situation, a child is going to panic in a situation. Children imitate the adults that they are around. When we love God, we obey him. And when we follow him, we trust him. And then we begin to look at how we are walking. And our walk should be imitating him. Imitating the one who ultimately walked in obedience to his father, Jesus Christ. Now, on this side of heaven, we can never duplicate the walk of Christ. But we should aim to imitate him in our walk. And we should be comfortable or at rest or at home in doing so. Now, in your home, you probably have a place that you are at most rest. Uh, You know that that's dad's spot. You don't sit in dad's spot, that lazy boy or that side of the couch, right? Or, Or that's mom's point. It's where she's most comfortable. We all have those places in our house where we're just the most comfortable. Uh, We just moved, and for me, the place I'm most comfortable is out on the patio. I love being outside in the coolness of the morning uh, and just gathering my thoughts together on the patio. And so before we ever set up the bathroom or before we set up, put sheets on the bed, I wanted to make sure that the patio was set up because that's a place where I am comfortable. You probably have those places in your home. But for the believer, a walking and step with Jesus should be that place for us. We should be at home and relaxed and comfortable with walking and step with Jesus. But that doesn't mean it's easy, does it? It causes us to be in conflict. Walking in step with Jesus causes us to be in conflict with our sin nature within us and conflict with the sin of the world that we live in. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, walking in step with Jesus causes us first to be in conflict with the sin nature that's within us. Our default mode as sinners is to sin. Every single decision that we make every single day, we have two options. We can glorify ourselves or we can glorify God. When we choose to walk in step with Jesus, we choose to glorify God in every decision that we make. Do we tell the lie when it's convenient? Or do we steal the item that's left right there that our heart really desires? Or do we do the thing that is immoral that we know? Or do we give in to temptations? When we walk in obedience, it causes us to say no to the desires of our sinful nature. And it's hard because we're in conflict with the sin nature that lives within us. But the evidence of our walk is our obedience to glorify God. And it testifies that we have come to know him. But walking in step with Jesus also causes us to be in conflict with the sin of the world that we live in. What do I mean by that? Well, in your job or in your career, there may be things that you are required or expected to do to advance in your career that are expected of you to do by your boss or by your coworkers that may cause you to not walk with him. Maybe it's a little lie when you're selling something to a customer. 
Or maybe it's overlooking a financial kickback that your coworker or your boss is receiving. Or maybe it's not reporting something that should be reported, but you know in your heart and you know in your soul that it's not right. Walking with the Lord might cause us to be in conflict at our job. The believer that walks in step with Jesus, even when it puts us in conflict with the sin of the world that we live in. But we should fear God more than we fear our bosses who ask us to do immoral activities. What if I lose my job? You may, but it's better to lose your job than to walk in a lifestyle of sin. Walking in step with Jesus also causes us to be in conflict with the sin of the world that we live in culturally, doesn't it? What do I mean by that? Well, think about the culture that we live in today. Oftentimes, sin is celebrated. It's normalized and it's promoted, while walking with the Lord is demonized. We're truly living in the days of Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and evil good and put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Walking in step with Jesus causes us to be in conflict with the culture around us. When we are in conflict with the culture around us, it is decision time. We have a decision to make. Who will we follow? If God is real, if Jesus is really your Savior, and if you really truly love him, you will follow him. You will trust him and you will obey him, even when that causes you to be in conflict with the culture around you. Now, I want to be perfectly clear because just because we follow, we trust and obey, doesn't mean that it's all going to work out on this side of heaven. Some of the most faithful Christ followers have died on earth at the hands of persecution because of their belief in Christ. We can often be tempted to think that Christ has called us to a life of ease and comfort on earth, the American dream, when nothing is farther from the reality. God has not called us to a life of ease here on earth. It will be hard to follow him, and it is hard to trust him and obey him, and it is hard to walk in step with him. But because of the love that is being worked out in us, we want to be in that place. We long to be in that place, even if it's causing a rub with the culture around us. That's where we feel at home is walking in step with our Savior. We must constantly remind ourselves that our assurance is not in the comfort of this earthly life, but our assurance is in our promise of an eternity with our Savior. Now, I began saying that through this passage, we could have evidence that gives us assurance of our salvation. Now, we believe in once saved and always saved, but oftentimes we need reassurance of our salvation. When the devil tempts us to despair or the devil tells us, are you really saved? We need to reassure ourselves of our salvation. So what is the evidence that assures us of our salvation? First, it's our obedience. Do you trust and obey the Lord? Look at your life. How is your obedience to God inwardly and outwardly? That's a gauge. Second, our love for God. Does your heart love following God? Do you desire the things that he desires? Is your heart becoming his heart? Look inside of your heart and do you have love for God over love for yourself? 
And then third, are you walking in sync with Jesus? When you walk daily, look at your walk. Not that you don't mess up, not that you don't sin. We're all going to sin and we're all going to mess up. But overall, is your walk becoming more in step with Jesus or is it getting farther away? This is how we can gauge whether we have faith in Jesus Christ and we can have reassurance of our salvation. Our big idea for today is this. Because Jesus paid it all, we can have assurance of our salvation evidenced through our trusting and obeying. We begin this morning singing the old hymn, Trust and Obey. There's a lot of truth in that old hymn, isn't there? Trust and obey. There is no other way to be truly happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Every head bowed and every eye closed. So what do we do with all of this today? What do we do with this passage? Well, believer, our obedience is evidence of our trust. And if we trust him, we are following him. Today, you need to answer honestly between you and the Lord. How are you doing with your trust today? Do you trust him in all things? Maybe today God is calling you to fully trust and obey him. Following him is not easy because it is admitting that we are not in control. What are some ways that we may need to trust and obey him today? Well, maybe it's through your finances. It's hard to trust God with your finances. It's hard to give money when you know that the bills that you have to pay or you know the hours that you put in to earn it. It requires a lot of trust to be obedient and to be faithful with our finances. Believer, I am thankful for those of you who give today because I know the trust that it requires to be obedient in this way. I know the things that, it, that you have to do without so that you can be obedient in that way. Trusting and obeying is evidence of the love that we have for him. Maybe today you find yourself in a place where you desire to be obedient in your finances. You want to give to the Lord, but you don't know how to make it all work. There's more bills than you have money. I want you to know that I have been there. When I was in my 20s and I had an older man walk me through what it looks like to create a budget so that I was free to be able to give. Today, church, we are here for each other. If you are struggling with that and you need help, please let me know. Please let the staff know. And we can pair you up with people who are financial wizards. They'll help you create a budget and they'll help you make a plan of action so that you can walk in freedom and obedience in your finances. Maybe today God is calling you to trust and obey him through casting aside your anxieties and worries. If there was ever a time to be prone to be anxious and worry, it has been the past year, hasn't it? Everything that we've held on to as some sense of having control has been stripped away from us. Maybe in this season you find your heart anxious, whether it be your job or your finances or your health or your family. Part of obeying is trusting Maybe today you are having a tough time trusting him. Pray to him. Pray that he would take away your anxieties and read through Matthew 6 and meditate and journal on it this week and remember the birds and the lilies. How much more will God take care of you? Believer, trust the Lord today. Mission Dorado, 
Trust the Lord today. Maybe God is calling you to trust and obey him today through calling him your Savior and Lord for the first time. Maybe you're in this room today and you know some facts about Jesus and God and maybe you've even memorized some verses. You see the good in other people's lives of following the Lord, but you yourself personally, you're not really sure what it's all about. You're not even really sure that it's for you. I want to tell you this today. There is a God and he is holy. He has never done anything wrong, nor he can, do, can he do anything wrong. He created you. He created me. He created everything that we can touch and see. And he is holy, and he cannot be associated with sin. But every human on this earth has sinned. You have, I have, everyone has. We've all stolen and lied and cheated. And we've done something against God's law. And this creates a huge problem because the God that created you, the God that wants to spend eternity with you in heaven cannot even be associated with you because of the sin in your lives. And it causes you to be separated from him from all of eternity. But there's good news. God loves you. God loves you individually and personally so much that he made a way that you can be reunited with him for all of eternity in a place called heaven. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to earth as a baby being fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect, sinless life here on earth and yet went to a cross and died for your sins. Three days later, he defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. And you can be forgiven of your sins and saved to an eternity in heaven today. There's two options. We're saved to heaven with him today or we are destined to go to hell separated from him forever. If you believe and you repent of your sins and follow him, you can know that today you will spend eternity with God forever. But there is an expiration date for this free gift. It's when you die. It's when you take your last breath. So today, have you done this? Do you know that when you die, you will spend eternity with God or if you will spend eternity separated from him? Today, you can have assurance that you will be with God if you confess with your mouth that you believe in him, repent of your sins, and follow in him. In a moment, we'll sing a song. And during that moment, you can come down and you can talk with me, and I can help you make sure that you have assurance with your salvation today. Believer, if you're in this room, this altar is open Maybe today you need to come and you need to cast your anxieties and your worries before the Lord. Maybe you need to cast down things that you need help with that are holding you back from truly following and trusting and obeying the Lord. Believer, trust the Lord today. Church, I love you. Let's pray.